0: Welcome to the Heart to Kill podcast, the official podcast of the Heart to Kill program, the world's leading program for driven individuals looking to gain direction and momentum, where we aim to break down the complex, multifaceted, and holistic factors of human performance and optimization. Both on the program and on this podcast, we will be discussing and excavating everything pertaining to psychological resilience, physical robustness, and leading by example, with discipline and tenacity to create a culture of winning, especially in the turbulent, frenetic, and high-tempo world of the ambitious individual. This is Mark, the creator, senior DS, and head coach of the Heart of program. Let's get stuck straight into it. So in today's episode of the podcast, I want to run through another topic closely associated with communication, which is communicating through conflict. So in previous episodes of the podcast, we went through dealing with internal conflict, and we spoke about the concept of equanimity and how we could uh, basically improve our response to stressful, challenging situations. How we could practice neutrality of thinking in an effort to continue along the vein of behaviours necessary to achieve what it is we want to achieve. One of the lessons that was very first given to me by one of my very first mentors it lives with me absolutely went free. Uh, to this day. And it's something I'm going to share with you as well, because I believe it's immeasurably powerful. It will uh, release an enormous amount of frustration. It will help you to regulate your expectations. And as a result, will improve the quality of your communication and the quality of your relationships subsequently. So what this mentor said to me, uh, sat there, was that, Mark, you got to realize very few people on earth think like you and want the same as you. And you have to acknowledge and appreciate that. What that sentiment said to me is that we need to never go into a situation with expectations of another. What we all have a bad habit of doing as high performing, ambitious, aspirational type A people is projecting our own expectations of self how we would expect to respond to a situation, how we would expect to behave in a situation onto others. And that is simply not the case. I found an enormous amount of frustration and internal challenge and turmoil in the earlier parts of my self-development journey, for want of a better phrase, because I had not accepted And even acknowledge that to be true. And a great deal of guys that I work with inside the program, when they first reach out, are experiencing the exact same. Now, we're talking to 99th percentile here, and you may well fall into that category. You want things that maybe those around you don't. You are looking for depth, meaning, and purpose that maybe those around you aren't. And as a result, you can have high standards. You can have a vision and a mission of what it is you aspire to achieve and how you'd like to achieve that. And it's just simply not being reciprocated by those around you. It is very, very easy for us to fall into the mindset and the belief that everyone ought to think like us. People should perceive what it is we're trying to communicate and they should act with the same level of urgency, sense of importance and purpose that we aspire to. But ultimately, that disconnect between expectation and reality causes an enormous amount of frustration in you and the other person or peoples, it causes enormous amount of friction and ultimately it never leads to a positive outcome by means of satisfaction, fulfillment, sense of trust and ultimate performance, not to mention your own peace of mind and your own level of success as an individual, as a leader. So the first thing we need to take away from this podcast is if you are extraordinarily driven, if you are determined and motivated to become the greatest version of yourself, if you're implored for whatever reason, if your purpose is to expand something that's bigger than yourself, whether that's an organization, whether it's to lead your family, whether it's to lead your team at work, to build a team at work, a sports team, a military unit, whatever it is, is irrelevant. If we have that ambition, you must immediately understand that very few people around you are going to be thinking in the same way, are going to be operating on that same level of aspiration. And as a result, we need to take our ego out of the equation. We need to regulate our expectations and now we need to begin to learn how to communicate in those scenarios. It's imperative you understand that as a leader, you are responsible for the outcome and the output of these communications. Up to and including initiating conflict when necessary. Now, initiating conflict is not normally something that's received as a negative thing. We ought not to do that. We ought not to argue or, or poke holes or poke fun. And actually, it's that belief that me- means so many people just internalize the issue. They just internalize the frustration. They bottle it up and sit on it until eventually it explodes. We perceive that if we just grunt and show frustration and become somewhat passive aggressive, the other person's telepathically going to know what we're trying to communicate, why we're displeased and what they should do about it. When it is absolutely not the case, it is terrible leadership coming from a misunderstanding ultimately a lack of education surrounding communicating through conflict and how we need to communicate as high performing leaders in an effort to get the best for ourselves and from all those around us because ultimately as leaders we are there to serve others we want to ensure they are inspired they are supported and they are resourced to do the very best they can with what they have available at that moment in time. And simply just because they do not think like us does not for a moment mean that they are subordinate to us. The people around us have strengths, have abilities, aptitudes that we will never ever possess and it's imperative we get that into our heads that our role bottom line of it is to serve them is to make them feel trusted make them feel supported give them the autonomy to do what they do and what they aspire to do to the very very best of their ability without fear of reprimand without fear of being bollocked for simply trying to innovate without fear that they don't think like us or they're not doing the right thing it is our role to serve those this is why leadership is an endurance event because it's not as simple as just saying do this do that that's easy I've seen a great many terrible leaders, even terrible coaches do that, be authoritarian and dictatorial of you need to do this, you need to do that, you need to do the other. And whilst it might make the individual feel great because you're telling them what to do, they're doing it and they're achieving success, you are disempowering that person because they are not complicit to the problem framing, to the course of action development, to the implementation, to the innovation. So ultimately they become dependent. And then that leader comes back moaning that, they always ask me what to do, they don't innovate, they don't use their fucking head, there's no common sense and all of these moanings associated with poor leadership because you took the easy wrong over the hard right because instead of investing the time, effort, and energy to ensure that person is feeling trusted, you're explaining and communicating to them, you're just being dictatorial. So this is why we need to understand how to communicate through conflict in an effort to support others, in an an effort to initiate conflict where necessary, and in an effort to get those around us to play to the very best of our ability and ultimately give their discretionary effort to the cause. So the first thing we have to understand is this falls under the category of interpersonal, Conflict. Okay. So we've already discussed internal. That's largely what's happening in the top two inches. And now we want to talk about interpersonal. So if there's a conflict between our partners, our romantic relationships, and ourselves, between teammates and colleagues at work, superiors or subordinates, whatever that may be. We know now this is interpersonal conflict. And we know now that maybe they're not thinking on the same vein as us. The first thing we need to do is draw awareness to the seven deadly habits. Okay. And our subject matter expert in mindset and communication inside the Hard to Kill program. Gene delivered an incredible training to our guys, an at length 90 minute training on how to spot the seven deadly habits, how to know when we're doing them, and ultimately how to then move towards the solution, which we'll talk about in a moment. I do not have the time or scope, nor am I going to pass that work off as my own in the concept of this podcast, but what I simply want to raise awareness to are a couple of the things that I see being made most frequently as mistakes when we're heading into challenging conversations. The first is that we need to understand the power struggle and power dynamics. If you're in a situation, if you're in a position as a leader, it is very, very easy To go into that situation perceiving that you're the boss, they're the listener, you're talking, they're fucking hearing. But actually, the total opposite is true. If we go into it with that egoic frame of wanting to be right, one of two things is going to happen. Number one, you are going to initiate a power struggle. Whenever you suppress people who have a degree of strength and autonomy, they are going to push back they're going to feel emotionally reactive, and they're going to respond in such a way and rightly fucking so because you're essentially ambushing them as a dictator being tyrannical and saying this is the fucking problem i'm going to fucking show you what's up and this is what you need to do that is not appropriate nor is it professional no nor is it leadership it's just running your mouth it doesn't help anybody it might make you feel empowered for a moment but actually, as the old Chinese saying goes, if you hammer a nail into a wall and then try and pull it back out, you can take the nail out. The hole will always remain. What that means is if you operate that way, two people closest to you who are looking to trust you, who are looking to you for leadership, and you bark at them, berate them, talk down to them, demean them, it doesn't matter how many times you apologize or how much you try and sweep it under the rug, they are going to remember that. So heading into it with an egoic power dynamic is never gonna be helpful. Understand it is our role to come to a solution. It is not our intent to win the argument because again, they're either gonna be emotionally reactive due to the power struggle or the second possible way in which they're going to respond which is actually enormously common is they're going to go into something called a compliant child ego state. So again, we cover an enormous amount of depth and detail on transactional analysis and some models of of CBT frameworks and communication in an effort for our clients to be professional, proactive and truly high performing leaders in every setting, situation, scenario in life but I'm quickly going to glaze across the top of that right now. Whenever we are demanding authoritarian and basically put an individual in a situation they're finding uncomfortable, displeasant, or they're experiencing emotions they don't like. One of the most frequent things they will do is they'll revert to a childlike state, whereby they just comply with anything you say, anything you ask, anything you request of them, because simply put, it gets you to shut up and fuck off. It's akin to a child, naughty kid, sat there, and a parent is bollocking them and saying, "Have you done you this? Have you tidied the room? Yes, yes, I've done it. Okay, yeah, I've done it. I promise, fine, cool, whatever." That is literally what is happening when they're nodding along and smiling, waiting for you to walk out the room so they can say, fuck off. That's all that you're doing. You might be getting the response you think you want to hear in the moment. They have zero respect for you. They probably haven't even done the thing. They're literally just debating you to go away because you're making them feel suppressed. They do not feel trusted or respected. And that is the polar opposite of what it is we aspire to achieve in these communication settings. Now, at this point in the podcast, I want to just ascend out of this level of conversation a moment and I guess offer something like a caveat. There's a great amount of organizations, of business leaders, of mentors, coaches who like to communicate in an authoritarian and demanding way as if they were in a military unit or organization. The reason this became commonplace, the reason this has become quote unquote doctrine is because of how we are used to being spoken to and how we see it happening in films and movies and so on and so forth. It's very easily accessible for us to look at movies, to look at Hollywood, to look at like military associations and to think, oh yeah, I'm fucking, I'm somebody, I'm the fucking drill sergeant, I'm the fucking boy, I'm the fucking top dog, I'm going to gob off at people. But it is lazy leadership. I really want to communicate and hammer that home. It is not even leadership at all. It is an insecurity of self that you're projecting onto others because you do not know how to actively listen, how to emote and how to support and relate with that person. It shows a total lack of empathy, of compassion and leadership aptitude. The reason in certain settings and scenarios why there might be really demanding, really authoritarian communication styles in the military is simply due to the level of consequence and the time parameters. If you only have seconds or minutes to very quickly communicate a message that is in the best interest of the entire mission is going to keep people safe keep people away from harm and is ultimately complicit in mission success or failure you better believe you're going to be shouting it and you're going to be shouting it fucking aggressively so that person understands exactly what they need to do exactly how they need to do it and exactly when they need to do it that is the only time that is necessary and appropriate and hopefully that is occurring in a unit whereby there is interpersonal trust you trust one another because they've been through hardships they've been through training fucking evolutions they've communicated a lot as friends sat in the block going out fucking drinking out for food they know one another truly deeply and they understand they are all there in a common pursuit of mission success no one wants to get hurt everyone is looking after themselves and the person to their left and the right That is the time when it's appropriate to communicate in that way. If we remove ourselves from that in an office setting, in a home setting, speaking to your children, your clients, your colleagues, co-workers, teams, it is not appropriate. A, because there is no high level of consequence or risk. B, because we do not have those same compressed time parameters. And C, it is very unlikely you have that same bond, that same relationship, that same level of trust with those people so it is not effective and it ought not to be used at all it is imperative that it is used to keep people safe to make sure missions succeed in military settings and environments and that is a given that is a granted that's not the settings we're talking about here that is a different conversation but do not look at what's happening in movies how they communicate in the military and fancy a fucking slice of that and try and speak that way yourself because it's not going to be conducive to mission success in your life, in your workplace, in your home, okay? So now let's return back to the conversation. So we understand that we ought not to be egoic in uh, demanding and being authoritarian and, and, and basically making someone either a compliant child or putting us into a power struggle. So now that we know that and we know that there are seven deadly habits that we can demonstrate, i.e. demanding, criticizing, blaming or complaining, we basically want to head into this conversation being very aware of well how do we want to communicate and the first thing we want to know is that there is three primary kind of types of communication we're going to demonstrate here we're either going to be passive we're going to be aggressive or want to be assertive the middle is ultimately what we're aiming for aggressive communication looks a lot like the seven deadly habits it looks like blaming it looks like criticizing threatening punishing. It looks like all of your authoritarian and demanding behaviors I spoke about just a moment ago and it's not conducive to communicating effectively in conflict. On the other end of the spectrum we have passive. We have people who are just too responsive. They're not engaged in creating a solution or in leading that conversation or the person complicit to it to something like resolution of a conflict. So we've got two ends of the spectrum. We've obviously then got like different sectors. So we've got passive aggressive, you know, like making um, passive remarks, slamming cupboards but not addressing the issue, making tongue in cheek remarks and passing it off as banter or joking. That's also not helpful. That is very highly likely to get someone infuriated and borderline explosive at you if you're communicating in that way. What we're looking for is assertive communication okay so here we're looking to be honest but not hurtful we ought to have the mantra in our minds to do no harm what we're looking for here are the seven connecting habits primary of which is our ability to listen or practice active listening now active listening is something that any of you in a corporate space will probably have been introduced to on more than one occasion but the question therein lies how much do we practice it How much have you refined and distilled that and looked to implement it? Because knowledge is not power, implementation is power. And so often the case is that you know what to do, you're just not consistently doing it. And that's a chat for another day about accountability and support networks and a place in which to safely practice that. But returning to the point, we want to be practicing active listening. So many people in the wider world, which has been exacerbated by social media and information overload and people being a little bit self-serving, we listen only so that we can respond. You're listening, seeking out a piece of information that you know, and then immediately firing back because you're making it about you. That is not helpful that does not make that person feel heard and ultimately making a person feel heard is what it is we aspire to do if you've listened to some of my uh, my my previous podcast episodes specifically looking at the five laws laws of leadership you know that one of my laws of leadership is to treat somebody as if they are someone else's child which is an absolute truth but we want to revisit that sentiment here so when you're listening pretend that their parents have stood either side of them and they are talking about their grievances about their challenges and you're listening intently making them feel heard being attentive we're not patronizing, but we're just listening to them attentively and then often repeating back what they've said in a paraphrased manner to ensure that, okay this person knows I'm hearing what they're saying I understand the grievance and I know basically how I now have to communicate so we're looking for assertive communication but we begin with listening to make that person feel like they're safe like they can trust us and they're actually going to come forward with their grievances because if we're then initiating conflict if we're looking at okay this is what we aspire to achieve and for some reason that person isn't doing it or behaving in the way that which we, we feel appropriate we need to go to them initiate conflict and say hey dude um, this is the mission and this is kind of what I've been trying to achieve but I can't help but feel like there's this thing that you that is happening Um, can you help me rectify that? That person's then saying, okay, cool. Well, I wasn't aware that's what was trying to happen, but I'm fed up with this and I'm fed up with this and I'm fed up with this. And what we want to be able to do is listen without getting emotionally reactive, understand it's not a comment about us and not actually make it about us at all, but listen to what that person organically, authentically has to say for us because it's, it's invaluable feedback about the conditions, about you, about how they feel. And that's going to have some degree of truth within it. And we want to unpack that. Then we want to be, honest but not hurtful we want to be respectful and we also want to take responsibility we're not looking to blame and say well he did that or you did this or you did this we're looking to use the word I because it empowers us with the responsibility and we can also use the word you because again it it basically asks them to take responsibility so applying to our models of transactional analysis this is not any longer a parent speaking down to a child this is adult speaking to adult I feel this way When you do this, how does that make you feel? I feel this way, et cetera, so on and so forth. So then we're engaging in open, honest, authentic conversation. This allows for a trusting and respecting dialogue in which we can actually move towards a solution. And in every setting and scenario of your life, I'm positive that you'd rather be solution-focused than problem-oriented of just moaning and nagging, oh, this is the problem and that's the problem and this is the problem and that's the problem. But again, if we refer to the very first sentiment I opened this episode with, as a leader, if you're not getting the outcomes you want, it is down to you. It is your responsibility to communicate in a way that is conducive to that person behaving that way. If you're not getting the answers you want, ultimately it's on you so we have to communicate in that way and then if we look at other different facets and and elements and areas of leadership in your life let's pretend that you're a parent and you know there's conflict that needs to be had in the household do not shy away from that conflict with your partner with the missus because actually although it's often perceived oh i'll just let it go happy wife happy life all that sort of stuff the truth is it just becomes a micro unfairness in your head. And you just begin to build evidence of all these times they've done something that's annoyed you and that you feel it's unfair. And then eventually it will explode. Okay? any of you listening to this will be able to identify and palpably put your finger on a time when that has happened when it's just fucking gone off seemingly from nowhere there's been all these micro grievances and unfairnesses that haven't been addressed and then essentially have just made in your mind this narrative this picture this body of evidence that this is unfair this person fucking needs telling. and i'm gonna fucking sort it out and i'm gonna put them right and then again we initiate conflict via emotional reactivity demonstrating all of the seven deadly habits and we wonder why we get this fucking absolutely incendiary situation. What are we demonstrating to any potential children in the household if we behave that way? if it's in the workplace what are we demonstrating to our team what are we demonstrating to our potential subordinates if we communicate in that way we're communicating don't speak up for yourself don't initiate conflict hold it all in then just fucking explode and when you explode it's just become a slagging match there's going to be blaming and criticizing there's going to be threatening and punishing it's a power struggle whoever shouts the loudest wins and that's how we ought to uh, deal with conflict and challenge and this is what we call our conflict origin okay A great many people who who communicate in this way are doing so because when they grew up, that was the norm. That was what they saw. In the household, that was how conflict was dealt with, was it just ticks over, ticks over, there's an energy, there's an aura of passive energy, and then cupboards are being slammed, a comment's being made, and then there's a fucking roaring argument, and you never get to see the resolution. Instead of ignoring conflict, instead of not communicating about the things that are frustrating you or you would like to see changed or fixed in alignment with a common goal, actually, having the courage and the skills to initiate conflict there to take responsibility to actively listen and create a solution and make sure that there is actually conflict that there is something like a disagreement there is something like an argument but that you are clearly demonstrating the resolution that's the important part because then the children that are watching the colleagues employees subordinates teammates that are listening understand oh that's how we do business here we don't bottle it up and then explode like a fucking child. We don't, you know, become cursive and, and, and passive aggressive and toxic to those around us and then slam cupboards and walk off and we can't resolve that. This is how we do it. We go to them with the grievance, we initiate the conflict, we present a solution, we listen, we work, we negotiate, and then we say, Thank you for, for fucking allowing me to speak in that way. Thank you for making it easy to communicate with you. I'm really glad we had this chat. Are you all good? Yeah, I'm good. Amazing. To many of you, this might seem utopian. Like, oh, okay if we live in a fucking perfect world but arguably it is that belief system that's keeping us hemmed in place is it going to be textbook Of course not. It's never going to be textbook. There's always going to be emotions that are present. In fact most often that's why an argument is about to kick off or is taking place because emotions or expectations have not been aligned and values are not aligned and then there's a clash. However if we're practicing this, if we're doing repetitions of this, if we're planning like again stress inoculation of well let's just practice initiating conflict about something that's not really that emotionally charged and let's just focus getting resolutions there then let's pick something slightly bigger then pick something slightly bigger then you're going to get better and better and better at this it's an exercise in futility having these arguments with your fucking shampoo bottles in the shower which we all do don't fucking lie is you exercise in futility to do that if when it becomes emotionally charged you're going right to the top end of the richter scale you're forgetting everything you want to demonstrate all of the skills you've been practicing in the shower and your ass falls out and then we're emotional and then we're just being criticizing and and there's a name calling and no Solution is ultimately reached. Again, I want to revisit the statement that knowledge is not power, implementation is power. And that's why so often the Heart to Kill program on our monthly educational cadence, we deliver the education on week one, we learn it throughout days zero to 14. Then, day 14 to 21 of each month is about repetition. So, we have group masterminds, we roundtable, we hot seat, and we practice this. Not because, again, we believe in a utopia where we can all just communicate through love, peace, and harmony. But can we get 10% better? Fuck yeah, we can get 10% better. We can often get more than that. And it's such a low-hanging fruit. Communication is something you do every day with everybody around you. So to not practice it, to not lean into getting better to that, just seems totally fucking alien to me. Because if you look at what are the things that cause the greatest grievance, is ordinarily things that also have the potential to derail us let's pretend we've got a family who are too involved in our personal life and the decisions that we're making and they're you know, projecting expectations onto us but we don't know how to initiate conflict there as so we just accept it we go into a childlike state of compliance then we internalize that stress so we overeat for comfort because we're overeating we don't bother going to the gym because we've got shame and guilt and everything that goes with it now this person's no longer training appropriately they're not nourishing themselves because overeating is a symptom of the stress they're Experiencing the stress is emotional because they don't know how to initiate conflict. So you see how it is all so obviously intertwined. It would just seem like an absolute exercise in futility to only give training and only give nutrition if you're not teaching a person how to deal with the stresses and rigors and very real undulations of everyday life. And again, it's not about being passive and saying when when someone argues with us, we know how to diffuse that. It's looking at well, we are the leaders. We are aspirational future leaders we are often current leaders so we have to take responsibility for all these situations scenarios in life and we have to learn about these things so that we can have a degree of proactive professionalism in how our life is running how we would aspire for it to run and the conditions in which we're operating not only for ourselves but when we operate in this way you make life better for everyone around you it takes two to tango so if you're constantly getting in emotionally incendiary arguments well how is that impacting and affecting the other person how's your wife feeling about the fact there's always these massive explosions that she never feels trusted that when it goes into a conversation when it goes into a heated discussion you become critical you you ride the power train so on and so forth or equally if you're passive which is the case of so many men they're far too passive and there's these grievances and challenges that the wife has got and she actually explodes at you again based on her conflict origins and you just go straight to compliant child of yeah okay i'm really sorry yeah i'll do it don't worry and she never gets to the, the solution that she's looking for. So it is our absolute prerogative and our absolute obligation to make sure that we're improving these skills concurrent with our own personal development or athletic prowess to ensure that we truly are the epitome of high performance, which is not a singular endeavor. That's a little bit on communicating through conflict and how I perceive that we can be more effective communicators to subsequently become even better leaders. But I would love to hear any feedback on this. If this has been impactful for you, please do share it, tag me, let me know. I do not put anything into this podcast in the way of like advertising or or paid ads the only way this grows is if I do a great job and you're happy to tell me and tell other people about that so I'd be really appreciative if you could do it and if you've got any kickbacks questions, challenges or things you'd love to hear more about again please do let me know the only way I'm going to find out is if you come forward and ask me but hopefully it's been an informative insightful episode for you and I really look forward to hearing the feedback